been able to do, which is really ticking people off. He's going rogue left and right, man. That's why he's doing so well. Sarah Palin's back. She's back. Oh, where has she been? From Pacifica Radio in Los Angeles, this is the broadcast as heard on Pacifica Radio's KPFK 90.7 FM in L.A., 93.7 FM in San Diego, 99.5 FM Ridgecrest in China Lake, up in Oregon on 91.7 FM KYAQ on the Central Coast, 106.7 FM KSO in Cozy Cottage Grove, out in Pennsylvania on 93 FM WLRI in lovely Lancaster, out in Hawaii on 88.5 FM KAKU, the voice of Maui, on AM 950 KTNF, the progressive voice of Minnesota, and of course, coast to coast and around the globe, five days a week on kpfk.org. Uh, streaming on the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Indie Media Weekly, FYI Nation Radio or Not Radio, Free Brooklyn, GDPR Nashville, and of course, Radio Sputnik. I am Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, all around swell fellow, says me. From bradblog.com. And who are you? Nice to meet you. Uh, glad you could join us today. We will, uh, we've will. got a very busy show today. As usual, we are live in studio at uh, the KPFK Pacifica Radio Studios in Los Angeles. Therefore, I hope to try to try to get to some of your calls, if possible. Our phone number is 818-985-5735, 818-985-KPFK. These are your public airwaves. Use them before you lose them more than you already have. Uh, and, and by the way, if you want to advocate for or against your favorite or uh, least favorite candidate, uh, feel free to do it. These are your public airwaves. You can do it. Um, anyway, we'll get to that, but you can get in line right now if you'd like. we got a lot of uh, breaking news, including, uh, well, we're going to have, as usual, Desi Doyen and the Green News Report a little bit later uh, with our uh, coverage of climate and energy issues at the two recent Democratic and Republican debates, as well as a big announcement about coal from, uh, from President Obama. But first, this morning, just hours ago, uh, the National uh, Oceanaf, how do you say it, Des? You, uh, that's what I National need you for. National Oceanic yeah. and Atmospheric Thank Administration. Thank you. And NASA. How do you say that? The National Aeronautic and Space Administration. Okay. <laughs> they both made it official, uh, announcing at a uh, on a press conference call this morning that 2015, yes, beat out 2014 as the hottest year ever recorded on planet Earth in uh, in more than a century of record keeping. And this time it was not even close. Uh, 2015 was by far the warmest year in the record, uh, beating 2014, uh, which was the previous record. Uh, but 2015 was, was the warmest year because it was warm throughout the year. And even though it's kind of picking up that El Nino assist in the last three months, 
uh, even without El Nino, this would have been uh, the warmest year on record. We're really looking at, at, at a long-term trend that this is just a, uh, this is just a symptom of that long-term trend. Um, and therefore, we, we anticipate that this is going to be continuing because the factors that are causing this long-term trend are continuing to, uh, to accelerate. Uh, and that's mainly the increase of, uh, fossil, uh, increasing burning of fossil fuels and the carbon dioxide emissions that go with that. Uh, 2016, uh, because it's starting with a very strong El Nino, uh, and then we'll kind of it will kind of build during the year. Uh, 2016 is, is expected to be uh, again an exceptionally warm year and perhaps even another record. So 2014 had been the hottest year on record on planet Earth. Now replaced by 2015, and as you just heard right now, just now, that was Gavin Schmidt, uh, NASA's chief scientist at the Goddard Space Institute, uh, saying that 2016 could beat them both, given the fact that we've got uh, right now a record El Nino, the, I, I think it's the largest El Nino ever uh, uh, recorded. Is that right, Desi? Well, well, it depends on, on it, uh, where you measure it, mm-hmm. but at the specific point in the Central Pacific Ocean where they measure that, they say, yes, it is now the most intense by that measurement uh, than any other El Nino on record. And the fact that this uh, record from 2015 Though it was in an El Nino year, they controlled for El Nino, right? They took out, they said, well, would, how warm would it be if we did not include, if we did not factor in El Nino? Right, and that's what makes this year so exceptional. They said that even if you took out the El Nino yeah. signal, the El Nino impact and influence, 2015 would still have been the hottest year ever recorded. You know, does remember we used to get calls to this show all the time on the broadcast with people who are... Uh, skeptics, deniers, uh, who used to, you know, say that, uh, oh, this is all a scheme, a hoax to make Al Gore rich. <laughs> Remember that? Yes. We, we don't hear from those people very, they don't call in very much anymore. No, and they, you know they find other ways yeah. to to deny the evidence, right. but go ahead. Yeah, no, I, I, I'm just noticing. We used to, whenever we would talk about it, we'd do our Green News report, the phones would start ringing off the hook with what a hoax, what a scam this was. For some reason... We just don't hear from those people anymore. Go figure. Uh, overall, uh, 2015 global temperatures rose by 1.62 degrees Fahrenheit over the 20th century average, uh, reaching its highest level in 136 years of record keeping. Uh, NOAA and NASA uh, said that last year's temperatures surpassed uh, the 2014 record by a wide 0.29 degree margin. So, I mean, this just blew everything away. Yeah, that's 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 a record in itself. Yep. The it, margin at which it departed from the record, the previous record, was a record. So it broke a record for breaking the record. It's a record record. Yes. <laughs> okay. Dr. Michael E. Mann, we've had him on the show many times. He said that the uh, he calculated that uh, if if the globe uh, if it weren't for global warming, the odds of setting two back to back record years like this would be remote. He said it was uh, one chance in every fifteen hundred pairs of years. But he added, given the uh, uh, the fact that the planet is warming, the odds become far higher of back-to-back years like this. He says about one chance in 10 uh, and getting worse as we go. The December temperature, by the way, uh, the departure from the average was also the highest departure among all months in the historical record. And the first time a monthly departure has reached more than two degrees Fahrenheit. Man, from the 20th century average. 
Uh, so there you go. Other than that, we'd uh, we'd love to hear from all you uh, climate change deniers <laughs> who want to tell us that this is all Al Gore. Yeah, I just I just want yeah. to add one more thing. You all know, right. they said that it does look like 2016 not only will be a very warm year, but might also be a record warm year. And if that happens, mm-hmm. three years of record warmth in a row, that's never happened before, ever on the record. We've video. never had three records one, two, one three year after in a row. Happened. Just keeping that in mind. All right. Thank you for your warning. Uh, all right. Uh, by the way, if you can't get through on our phone lines at 818-985-5735, you can, as ever, tweet me on the Twitters. I am the Brad Blog. We can uh, try to get to some of your tweets. Uh, meanwhile, up in uh, up in Michigan last night, the city of Flint, Michigan, you know, speaking of warnings that people are ignoring up in Michigan, uh, the city of Flint uh, continues to reel from the continuing lead poisoning disaster caused after Republican Governor Rick Snyder replaced the democratically elected Flint city officials with a hand selected emergency manager who switched the town's water supply to save money, I guess, from Lake Huron to the Flint River. Uh, without bothering to spend the $100 a day that it would have cost to treat the corrosive Flint River water to keep it from corroding lead pipes and poisoning the children of that town for life, including permanent neurological and sometimes physical damage to those kids who, who drank that lead in that water over the past year or more. With that backdrop, Governor Rick Snyder, who failed to take action for at least the past year after completely replacing the city's democratically elected government with these so-called emergency man. And I hope to talk a little bit about this uh, on tomorrow's show. I think we're getting someone from Flint uh, to talk about this because it's amazing to me that this was even allowed, that you could uh, elect city officials and mayors and have the governor come in and just replace them by fiat. Yes, actual tyranny infuriates me. Uh, Anyway, uh, so Snyder has yet to resign, which is amazing in and of itself, as uh, perhaps another self-respecting politician might have done after uh, after this disaster. Instead, he gave his state of the state address last night and he offered finally an apology of sorts to the people of Flint, Michigan, for what his administration had done. To begin, I'd like to address the people of Flint. Your families face a crisis, a crisis you did not create and could not have prevented. I want to speak directly, honestly, and sincerely to let you know we are praying for you, we are working hard for you, and we are absolutely committed to taking the right steps to effectively solve this crisis. To you, the people of Flint, I say tonight, as I have before, I am sorry and I will fix it. Mm -hmm. No Mm -hmm. citizen of this great state should endure this kind of catastrophe. Government failed you, federal, state, and local leaders, by breaking the trust you placed in us. I'm sorry most of all that I let you down. You deserve better. You deserve accountability. You deserve to know that the buck stops here with me. Most of all, you deserve to know the truth, and I have a responsibility to tell the truth. The truth about what we've done and what we'll do to overcome this challenge. 
Because the most important thing we can do right now is to work hard and work together for the people of Flint. That was uh, Michigan's Republican Governor Rick Snyder at his State of the State address last night uh, that he's praying. He's praying for the people of Flint. They don't need your prayers, Governor. They need new pipes. They need fresh water. They need filters. And you notice he also uh, uh, turned this into government. It's government. Government failed you. Well, yeah, part of the government, the part of the government that threw out the elected local officials, uh, the people of Flint, and replaced them by fiat with a so-called emergency manager, three or four of them over the past year and a half, who went against local officials in making this change and in failing to keep the water clean. So when uh, Snyder says uh, you know, government failed you, federal, state and local, well, what we know right now is it was definitely state government. It was definitely Rick Snyder's state government. Local officials did not want to do this, did not want to uh, make this change that ended up poisoning the children. And it was, in fact, the local officials raising holy hell that even got any action in the first place. As far as the federal government, well, we'll, we'll talk a little bit about that tomorrow. Um, but this was not, uh, you know, big government uh, from from Washington, D.C., ordering Rick Snyder to do this. This was him and his uh, decision that he could put people in place. He could essentially put little dictators in place in each of these cities around Michigan and replace the locally elected democratically, small d, democratically elected government. That's what happened. And there were no checks and balances on that. These emergency managers got to do anything they wanted. And uh, the result was that thousands of children at this point are, uh, are poisoned for life from that lead poisoning. Rick Snyder apologizing and promising to finally take action more than a year later after this, uh, this was done. Anyway, uh, all right, um, moving on, uh, reality TV star, yes, who am I talking about? Reality TV star turned politician Donald Trump on Tuesday was endorsed in Ames, Iowa by politician turned reality TV star Sarah Palin. It all makes perfect sense, of course, as uh, as Josh Marshall noted over at uh, Talking Points Memo, the 2016 GOP is now the party of Palin. Something that I've been telling you on this show, not just since the day that uh, Trump got in, but frankly, for, for years prior to that, as the mainstream media was not getting it. And they're still not getting it. They don't get that that is now the Republican Party, the party of Palin. Josh writes that uh, this may all sound like a snark, but that's only the outer layer at most. Look back over the last eight years with the jostling factions of the GOP, establishment wings, Tea Partiers, post-2012 post-mortimers, House backbenchers, Palin and Joe the Plumber. What has it all arrived at? Whose party does it end up being? For right now, he writes, there's just no debating it. Palin comes out on top. It's her party true that. Uh, You know, I was thinking about as I was watching uh, Palin uh, with Trump there yesterday in in this uh, uh, her endorsement speech in Ames, Iowa. Remember uh, remember when Madonna 
And Michael Jackson went to the was I think the Oscars together, and she was dressed up like uh, like Marilyn Monroe, and Michael Jackson was dressed up like Michael Jackson, and that was sort of the peak of the the 1980s culture. That moment, I think we may look back on this Palin Trump announcement slash moment slash fiasco as this freak show combination of political and cultural conservative conservatism coming crashing together. I think we may look back. At least I hope we look back at this as the peak 2000 teensies post Bush wingnutism. We'll find out. History scholars, uh, begin your documentation. So that was on Tuesday. On Wednesday morning, Sarah Palin was scheduled to appear at another rally with Donald Trump in Norwalk, Iowa. Trump and Ted Cruz, of course, are are locked in a head-to-head standoff in the polls in Iowa, the first to caucus state less than two weeks from now. Uh, so Palin's endorsement could uh, could make the difference. But for still unknown reasons, Sarah Palin was a no show the next morning at the Trump rally in Norwalk this morning. So uh, that's what happened on Tuesday and then on Wednesday in the party of Palin. But what we have learned since uh, about what happened on Monday in Sarah Palin's life in her family, the day before her dramatic announcement of her endorsement at the Trump rally in Ames, might explain her absence from the big Trump rally this morning. As it turns out, track Palin... Her son, her adult son, had been arrested. Track Palin's girlfriend feared he would shoot himself with an assault rifle after he hit her during a drunken argument at Sarah Palin's Wasilla, Alaska home, according to court documents. Palin, the 26-year-old son of the one-time GOP vice presidential nominee, was arrested for battering his girlfriend during the Monday night fracas, according to police. There's your family values right there. Oh, there's your Alaska value. Alaska values. Punch your wife in the face and grab the uh, grab the assault rifle. Track Palin was arraigned on uh, Tuesday afternoon on charges of fourth degree assault, inter- interfering with the report of a domestic violence crime and possession of a firearm while intoxicated. All class A misdemeanors. She, uh, he, Track, is the uh, eldest of Sarah Palin's five children. He allegedly punched the girl in the eye, kicked her in the knee, and then held an AR-15 assault rifle near his head. That's according to the 22-year-old woman uh, who he had punched, and the police did not identify her at one point. Reportedly, a track was, according to the young woman, was holding on to a gun yelling, do you think I'm a pansy? I'll say pansy. Uh, And do you think I won't do it? The woman uh, whom the Daily News is not identifying said that he then cocked the gun and was holding it near his face. She had bruising and swelling around her left eye, complained of pain to the area. Uh, Cops later found an unloaded AR-15 assault rifle on the kitchen counter. Um, Well, thankfully, nothing horrific came of that event. But, uh, you know, Sarah Palin has been a uh, very fond of uh, her (laughs) semi-automatic weapons that she keeps around the house, uh, apparently available to the kids there. And um, thankfully, Track Palin did not hurt himself. 
Got to wonder if uh, Sarah Palin would be quite the advocate for the NRA had he ended up pulling that trigger in this uh, in this affair. He was, uh, as you may remember, a, uh, he was deployed for a year in Iraq. Basically, he was given a choice way back when to either go to jail or go to the military. He ended up going to the military. Uh, and I don't know if he has any, uh, you know, PTSD issues thereafter or if he's just a, a, a creep and a, and a drunk and a jerk. He reportedly broke his ribs during a drunken brawl back in 2014 at a, at a party up in Anchorage when the whole family got into a fight up there. Uh, so anyway, that may explain where, uh, where Sarah Palin was on Wednesday morning, why she did not appear at that um, at that rally for uh, Donald Trump that she was supposed to appear at. So let's see. Who knows? Six years ago, six years ago this week, uh, one year, uh, well, it was Citizens United. One year from uh, today, I should note today, one year from today will be the next presidential inauguration. Six years ago from today, the Supreme Court's disastrous Citizens United decision uh, I don't know what's worse at this point, looking forward or looking back. But yesterday on the broadcast, uh, John Schwartz of The Intercept called out President Obama for his uh, for the elegant language that he used during his State of the Union address last week, uh, calling for campaign finance reform, but which, as Schwartz noted, is a strict contrast from the president's actual actions on campaign finance reform. The president could, all on his own, as Schwartz told me yesterday, institute an executive action which might have a very, very serious effect on the amount of dark money that is now pouring into the system since the uh, Citizens United decision opened the floodgate for corporate dark money in our electoral and political system. One thing that Obama absolutely can do by himself this afternoon, Mm -hmm. if he wants to, is sign an executive order placing requirements on federal contractors. And he's done that before with executive orders. He wrote an executive order requiring federal contractors to pay at least uh, $10 an hour Mm -hmm. to their employees. He also issued a great executive order about gay rights Mm -hmm. for employees of federal contractors. So he can do it, and he's done it in the past. What he could do about money in politics now is issue an executive order saying that federal contractors have to disclose any dark money contributions that they're making. And if he did that, that would cover uh, about 70% of the biggest corporations. And so it would not force the disclosure of any and all dark money but it would force the disclosure of a great deal of that. And as I say, if he wanted to, he could do it this afternoon. Obama likes to say really great-sounding stuff about money and politics, but he's never done anything. It's really extraordinary. Throughout his entire presidency, he's refused to use the tools that he does have. So it's one area for sure where his rhetoric and actions are totally different. You think? That was John Schwartz of The Intercept on the Bradcast yesterday. If you missed uh, if you missed that interview, you can download it as ever at bradblog.com or uh, kpfk.org uh, or over at iTunes. Uh, so the call six years out from Citizens United for the president to, at this point, just take executive action, just force uh, contractors, federal contractors, to disclose 
the money that they have spent on elections uh, or given to uh, you know campaigns and so forth. That would be one thing the president can do. At the same time now, several U.S. senators uh, are set to call out the U.S. Security and Exchange Commission, the SEC, calling on them to shed light on dark money and help address the growing crisis of -of out-of-control spending. They are uh, asking the SEC to work on a rule that would require publicly held companies to disclose details of their political spending. So if you're a publicly held uh, company, you need to let your shareholders know what it is you are spending your money on in politics. Uh, so that uh, th- those uh, it's a Senator Jeff Merkley, Robert Menendez, Charles Schumer, Elizabeth Warren, Democrats all uh, are going to be having a, a conference call, uh, I'm told, uh, sponsored by Public Citizen on Thursday morning, calling on the SEC to take action and. No sooner did we uh, did we finish our uh, our broadcast yesterday with John Schwartz on this, but uh, now the New York Times today says that President Obama and so clearly this was us. We did this. Uh, it's all thanks to the broadcast. President Obama is now seriously considering an executive order that would require companies doing business with the federal government to disclose their political contributions, according to White House officials in the New York Times. Uh, so uh, apparently Obama has been looking at this uh, over the past year and interest has intensified in recent weeks. According to administration officials, uh, Brandy Hoffline, a White, uh, White House spokeswoman, uh, she declined to comment on specific internal deliberations, says that no final decisions have been made. But she says, while we continue to examine additional steps, additional, how about any, additional steps we can take to reduce the corrosive influence on money in politics, she notes that only Congress can put an end to it. Uh, She noted that legislation to require companies to reveal their campaign giving, known as the Disclose Act, died in 2012 amid Republican opposition. And of course, business groups, for some odd reason, have fiercely opposed campaign finance restrictions, and they argue that the executive order (laughs) requiring transparency from these companies that make billions of dollars from the federal government, that that would encroach on free speech rights somehow. Uh, That's just amazing to me, Uh, you know, especially since even even Sarah Palin. And sort of Donald Trump uh, agree on this issue, kind of, sort of. As uh, John Schwartz noted in a new article, uh, this is today on The Intercept, uh, that Sarah Palin, and uh, you're welcome, I I won't play any more uh, Sarah Palin from this endorsement for you, Uh, but she did note, it's also because it's almost impossible to play anything from her, to make any sense of what she says into a coherent sound clip. In any event, uh, the permanent political class, she said, has been doing the bidding of their campaign donor class. And on that, she's right. She added that uh, the establishment, they are ready to, uh, she said, they're ready to throw in for Hillary over Trump because they can't afford to see the status quo go. Otherwise, they won't be able to be slurping off the gravy train that's been feeding them all these years. Again, talking about money in politics. And on that point, she's absolutely right. And this is something that Donald Trump himself has said. He said in the very first uh, uh, Republican debate, he hasn't gone back to this theme, but he said this in the first Republican debate last year in August of 2015. This is Donald Trump. 
I will tell you that our system is broken. I give to many people. Before this, before two months ago, I was a businessman. I give to everybody. When they call, I give. And you know what? When I need something from them, two years later, three years later, I call them. They are there for me. Yep, that's it. That's how it works. Schwartz notes that Palin Trump may or may not believe what they're saying um, as Laura Friedenbach, press secretary of the campaign finance reform organization Every Voice, points out, every single Republican presidential candidate, including Donald Trump, has so far failed to offer any concrete plan to reduce the influence of money in politics. However... A 2015 New York Times poll found that 80 percent of Republicans believe that, quote, money has too much influence in political campaigns. And 81 percent of Republicans feel that the campaign finance system needs either fundamental change or must be completely rebuilt. So this is a popular idea, once again, amongst Republicans and Democrats, at least Republican and Democratic voters, if not the ruling uh, GOP elite. A recent survey by Democracy Corps found that 66 percent of likely Republican voters support a program of public matching funds for small donors. Again, however, no matter how popular, uh, like background checks on guns and everything else, we can't do any of it, of it because our uh, our government is so broken, thanks in no small part to this money that I'm talking about right here and now. OK, we got much more to get to, including your calls. Uh, got a bunch of you on the line. Uh, stay on there. Don't hang up. I'm going to try to get to your calls right after this break at 818-985-5735, 818-985-KPFK. You can even advocate for your candidate if you want, right here on our public airwaves. On the broadcast, I'm Brad Friedman. Stay tuned. Hi, this is Desi Doyen from the Green News Report and the Bradcast, both brought to you without corporate or political influence. Why? Because we rely on you to help keep us completely independent. Please drop by bradblog.com donate today and help us stay on your public airwaves. That's bradblog.com donate. You'll thank yourself later. I'll thank you now. Welcome back. Welcome back to the broadcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com with you. Live on the broadcast at uh, 818-985-5735 if you'd like to get in. 818-985-KPFK. Desi Doyen will be joining us in a little bit with the latest Green News report. Uh, and I will get to your phone, uh, to your calls momentarily. Um, but w- one or two items I've been trying to get to over the past week, w- which has been very busy with two debates and the State of the Union. This is an item from last week. Haven't been able to get to it until now. But uh, as David Neer writes over at Daily Coast, Coast, blue lightning has struck twice out on the Great Plains. He says on Tuesday night, this would be last week, Tuesday night. Democrat J.J. Dossett won a special election for the state Senate in Oklahoma by a healthy, that's an understatement, healthy 
56 to 44 margin, picking up a Republican-held seat in the Tulsa area that Mitt Romney had carried with an astounding 70 percent of the vote just back in 2012. What makes this even more amazing, uh, near adds, uh, is that just a few months ago, Democrat Cindy Munson also wrested a dark red legislative seat from the GOP in the Oklahoma City suburbs, giving Democrats two victories in districts that they should never have even been competitive in, he says. Democrats took over the uh, legislative seat uh, for the first time, this one last Tuesday, for the first time since 1990, despite being outspent. He says the party is still deep in the minority in the state Senate, though uh, with just nine members, including Dossett, compared to 39 members for Republicans. But Dossett's huge upset, like Munson's, shows what can happen when one side takes victory for granted and it should inspire Democrats facing long odds everywhere. So two deep red seats in two special elections going to Democrats uh, in Oklahoma. That's what happens when you show up and vote, I guess. I guess if you can show up and vote, a story that we've been following for a long time on the broadcast uh, concerning the horrible, horrible secretary of state of Kansas, a guy by the name of Chris Kobach. Um, he has just been denied by a court. One of the things that he's been doing, they passed a, a citizenship uh, requirement. You have to have proof of citizenship to register now to vote in the state of Kansas. However, you can use uh, you can register by the federal form and the federal form has no such uh, requirement on it. Now, uh, Kobach has gone all the way to the Supreme Court to try to say uh, try to keep tens of thousands of voters who use the federal form from being able to vote because they hadn't turned in their uh, proof of citizenship, which can cost money, which they argue is a poll tax and so forth. Supreme Court had denied him on this some time ago. But he said, all right, fine. Then if you register to vote with the uh, federal form and you don't turn in your uh, proof of citizenship papers, we will let you vote because the Supreme Court said we have to. But we won't let you vote in, uh, in, in state and local elections. You can only vote in federal elections because the Supreme Court has no jurisdiction over what we decide to do in our state and local elections. Well, now um, a Shawnee County District Court in Kansas in response to a lawsuit over this from two uh, uh, Kansas voters who challenged this dual registration system, uh, they have won. And that court has ordered now that uh, Chris Kobach must let registered voters vote. Can't believe that people have to spend time and money going to court just to be allowed to vote when they've done nothing wrong. What happened to innocent until proven guilty? That's not how uh, uh, Secretary of State Chris Kobach rolls in the state of Kansas, apparently. Uh, finally, uh, well, I don't have time for it. We had a very lively, I'll just point you to the web, very funny, lively debate uh, earlier this week on the broadcast uh, following the Democratic presidential debate on Sunday. We had uh, for this serious debate, two comedians, uh, Jimmy Dore of KPFK's The Jimmy Dore Show joined us and Hal Sparks. 
Now, Jimmy is a Bernie fan. Hal is a, uh, a Hillary fan. And while we usually just cover with analysis and fact-checking, this time I thought I'd let the advocates go at it. And so uh, go at it they did, and it was really funny and really informative. And I'll point you to bradblog.com, kpfk.org, iTunes, to hear that entire— been hearing from a lot of you on, uh, on Twitter and email. You can email me. I'm bradcast at bradblog.com. Or on the Twitter, I am— the Brad blog. Um, so would you like to make the case for your candidate? Please feel free. 818-985-5735. Let's go to some phones here. Uh, Barbara in Los Angeles. Hey, Barbara, welcome to the broadcast. Hi. Hi. I have a question of why candidates even need money to campaign when the rest of us have been successfully communicating on the Internet worldwide for free. <laughs> Well, that, that's an interesting point. I mean, I you know, well, two things op, that are obvious. Obviously, they need to have money uh, for television, unless you're saying they shouldn't be on television at all. Um, okay. Well, and also organizational money and all of that, they definitely do need. But you're saying uh, no TV, even though it's our public airwaves, Barbara. I think that ought to be free to them because these are our public airwaves, that they ought to be given X amount of time over our public airwaves for free. And that would be that. Would you be okay with that, Barbara? Yes. Okay. Thanks for the call. I appreciate it. Uh, but you make you raise an interesting point. Let's go to uh, Bruce in Avalon. Hey, Bruce, welcome to the broadcast. Oh, hi there. Oh, hi there. <laughs> uh, I listen to you every chance I can get. But uh, um, I'm concerned about our, the judges that we vote for. And, you know, I, I've never been able to find any information about who and what uh, they are. Yeah. Can you, you know, can you uh, sort of send me and, and the rest of my ilk to a uh, to a website or no. A, a information? No, nobody knows. Nobody. I mean, this is it's crazy, frankly, that uh, judges are on the ballot at all. And you're right. I have the same problem. I go to uh, to vote. It has a judge. I have no idea who they are. Now, mind you, uh, I believe you're in uh, you're out in California here, right, Bruce? Yeah, I'm in Catalina Island. Uh, oh, Catalina. Oh, very nice. Um, it, it, we have, I think, what, I think it's called approval, where it's either yes or no for specific judges. As I recall, uh, I can't remember if these are competitive races. I know a lot of states around the country have competitive races between judges, which is absolutely insane because those judges actually go out and raise money for their elections. And now they're allowed to get money from, uh, you know, corporations and people who have cases in front of them. The worst case example of that we've talked about here on the show for years is up in Wisconsin right now. Uh, they elect to the Supreme Court. Uh, at least we don't do that out here in California. But no, it's it's very hard to get uh, information on who the hell you are voting for. So oftentimes I just won't vote for them. I, I'll I'll leave that blank. So I'm with you, Bruce. Uh, you know, like uh, you know, can't progressive Democrats or something sort of put out a you know put out a, a uh, something on you know who they are? Yeah, and, you know, and, you know, and and I think they do. There are uh, you know advocacy groups out there, like you mentioned, the Progressive Democrats of America, but others out there who do put out a slate of recommendations who they think uh, you ought to vote for, and it oftentimes includes uh, includes judges. Uh, Desi, you had a thought on this? Yeah, I just wanted to add that you are correct that if you do contact your local group. 
of whatever political party you care about, uh, generally they will take time to interview the judges. I know Progressive Democrats of Los Angeles does that, so do the San Fernando Valley. There are a couple of other groups that actually meet with these candidates and discuss their records and, and give you really strong recommendations one way or the other. There you go. Desi Doyen, once again, being helpful. Thank you, Des. Thank you very much. <laughs> Thank you, Bruce. I appreciate it. Uh, stay uh, safe and dry out there on uh, on Catalina. Let me go to uh, 818-985-5735 is our phone number. 818-985-KPFK. Whatever's on your mind, I'd love to hear it. Uh, let me go to, uh, to, uh, to Joe in uh, Santa Barbara. Hey, Joe, welcome to the broadcast. Oh, hey, Joe. There, there you go. How, how are you? Uh, it's good to hear from you. But I'll tell you, it's like, uh, th- doesn't Hillary Clinton have a pass as being Secretary of State? They don't talk about anything that went down in South America, Haiti, all over the world. It's like uh, she just uh, dropped in from above. Would you, Is there something you would like to talk about uh, concerning her well, work yeah, in I'd South like America and Haiti? What she thought about Honduras uh, two years ago, or well, what about what was going on in Venezuela? I mean, you know, she was like, she was there, and... Uh, Yet she did. No one even asked her about him. And so, I assume I don't want to put words in your mouth. I assume you're being critical of her her actions. Her, well, her... no, I'm just critical of the tender of the the debate. You mm-hmm. know, it's like uh, they don't go after her record, what she did in the last five six years. Okay. And uh, he doesn't. Have, no one asked any questions about that. Did she thought it was good that Honduras had a coup? I mean, something. Okay. Uh, no, I appreciate. It. Well, they, they. I mean, they do talk. To be fair, they 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 do ask her questions about uh, her work as Secretary of State. But you're right. It's usually not about South America. It's usually about, uh, of course, Benghazi, uh, or you know, <laughs> well, uh, whatever other nonsense uh, you know that that they want to hit her on. But uh, you're right. Good point. Uh, I'd like to have one more. I have one ahead. more word thing about Sarah yeah. Perriam. Yeah. Uh, you know, I was watching. Uh, they were talking about, they played her clip with uh, Trump and all the stupid stuff she said. Mm-hmm. But, you know, none of those people on TV analyzed what she was saying. The, the, well, no, none of those people could understand what the hell she was saying. I mean, you <laughs> can't. You can comment. It's like, oh, well, gee, that's gospel, whatever the hell she said. Right, right. Yeah, no fact-checking. I mean, that's why we have been trying to do exactly that in, in our, our post-debate coverage. We've covered every single debate, and we actually try to pay not uh, you know so much attention to their rhetoric, but what they're actually saying and compare it to the facts. And, in fact, it was uh, uh, earlier this week the first time that we actually had uh, you know, people on to argue for or against uh, candidates. And by the way, even, even though uh, thanks for the call, Joe, I appreciate it. Uh, even though um, I thought, for what it's worth, that um, this was uh, Bernie Sanders' best debate, I thought uh, in the previous debates, actually, that Hillary Clinton did terrific, which brought up the irony of why it was the Democratic, uh, the, the DNC has been hiding these super secret debates on the weekend when, in fact, Hillary does very well at them and even got a bump in the polls after all of them. This was the first time that I thought, and by the way, I think Bernie had also done great, but I thought she, uh, for whatever reason, expectations or whatever, did slightly better until this week. I thought it was Bernie Sanders. That said, in our little debate between uh, the great Jimmy Dore and the great Hal Sparks, um, I don't know. I don't want to. I don't want to sell out Jimmy here. But uh, but I think Hal won that one. 
I, I was actually kind of surprised. He made a very impressive case for Hillary. So you can go uh, listen to that at bradblog.com if you like. Uh, John, oh, I can't see those, uh, Des. Can you uh, show me the, uh, a couple of people uh, called in, couldn't hold John in L.A., uh, suggests a uh, Sanders-Jesse Ventura ticket would be very entertaining and brilliant, he says. Uh, Chewy in, New- in Norwalk says uh, Sarah, about Sarah Palin, so much for Christian, Christian values. She criticized other, others in her 2008 campaign, but her own family doesn't really follow those values. Oh, you think? 818-985-KPFK. Let me go to Lloyd in San Pedro. Hey, Lloyd, welcome to the broadcast. Hi, Brad. Um, you know, the, the, the Elk River spill in West Virginia that impacted the water supply of about uh, a couple hundred thousand people? Oh, yeah, 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 well, from that coal article in the LA chemical. Times, uh, yeah. on uh, January 30th, I think, the year that it happened. Mm-hmm. And it explained that the chemical that leaked uh, uh, degraded into formaldehyde. Well, when you add formaldehyde to water, which was done in the 50s by Ramon Haas Chemical Company, and mm-hmm. it uh, created really bad cancers in the guys that had mixed up a vat of formaldehyde in water. Mm-hmm. And it turns out uh, it produces a chemical called bis-CME, which is toxic in parts per billion. So we're not talking parts per thousand or 10,000 or 100,000 mm-hmm. or million. We're talking parts per billion. That's how toxic it is. It takes mm. very little. Yeah. And the people that, if they could smell the chemical in the water that they were, were drinking and were told to drink because, quote-unquote, it was safe, and the industrialists knew how toxic it was back in the early 50s, thanks to Ramen House Chemical Company, um, that those people need to be followed Mm. Uh, by the CDC during yeah. their whole lives, the people that drank that water or exposed to that water or bathed in that water. Yeah. Because BIS-CME is not a fun chemical. No, and that was... Something happened with the, with the uh, trailers in Katrina. Those trailers off yeah. cast, uh huge amounts of formaldehyde from the glues, and they were put in a humid area, a low-lying area. Uh, nobody was allowed in for, quote-unquote, security reasons. Uh, Sierra Club finally got in there, found out there were huge high levels of... Uh, uh, formaldehyde in the air. Yep. Animals, people's animals were dying. People were getting sick. Again, the the causative agent there was biz CME. We have no idea what the chemical com- what the oil companies and the chemical companies are putting into the ground uh, while they're doing hydraulic fracking. If they're putting formaldehyde in or any of those chemicals that can turn into formaldehyde and it mixes with water and picks up salts uh, from the earth, that's going to create biz CME. Again, it's toxic in parts per billion. There's no way that anybody can put any chemical in the ground and not uh, uh, publicly uh, put people on notice before it's put into the ground what they're putting into the ground. Well, you know, it's just like a really dangerous thing, the fracking that's going on. We don't know what's going into the ground. Uh, chances are our whole underground, our whole groundwater water supply is at, at seriously at risk. Thanks, Lloyd. I do appreciate uh, you guys aren't I, I, I appreciate that and uh, uh, thank you. Uh, good use of your public airwaves. I appreciate that. i got to get to a break. Otherwise, I'd uh, share a thought with you. Uh, we'll come back with Desi Doyen and the Green News Report, uh, as well as, uh, if we have time, more of your calls. So hang on the line if you can. Uh, stay tuned. I'm Brad Friedman. This is your broadcast. Don't touch that dial. <laughs>
stopping the world. I wish, I wish we could stop the world, given the way it's heating up. Uh, stopping the world for Desi Doyen, of course. Uh, and uh, before we get to our Green News report, Des, uh, Chris in Los Angeles calls, he says, for judge recommendations. Yes, one place to try is the Consumer Attorneys of Los Angeles. There's mm-hmm. also a separate organization, the Consumer Attorneys of California. That works if you're in California, but of course, uh, we're in all 50 states. That's we're true. around the world. On but, Sputnik you know, if Radio. there is, those, if yeah. there, those organizations exist in California, there are very likely similar organizations in other parts the of the country. The bigger point, as far as I'm concerned, why the hell are judges on the ballot in the first place? That's... That's just what. That's I'm a whole saying. other conversation. That is a whole other conversation. Okay, uh, b- a big news, a big green news report this week. Yes. Are we ready for it? Yes, we are. All right, let's kick it. Our latest green news report. Rather than subsidize the past, we should invest in the future. Obama announces big changes for big coal and big oil on public lands. We must make sure that we continue to to, uh, frack. Republicans heart fracking in their sixth debate. The debate is over. While finally, corporate media asks a debate question about climate change to Democrats. Plus, a federal state of emergency for Flint, Michigan's lead contamination crisis. All of those emergencies and more straight ahead. From bradblog.com, I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyen. Stand by for six minutes of independent green news, politics, analysis, and snarky comment. Regulations in this country are out of control, especially the Employment Prevention Agency, the EPA. Oh, I see what you did there, Marco Rubio. EPA, Employment Prevention Agency. Very good. This is your Green News Report. Okay, Desi Doyen, I know you've got a lot to get to today, uh, but this slow motion disaster going on in Flint, Michigan, we now at least are moving forward with a uh, federal state of emergency in Flint, Michigan? Yes. As requested by Michigan's Republican Governor Rick Snyder, President Obama declared a federal state of emergency, which triggers FEMA and federal funds to help deal with this public health emergency, in which Flint residents have been drinking water contaminated with lead for more than a year. This health emergency that was brought on by Governor Rick Snyder's administration, who made the changes to the water system unilaterally, I'm still amazed that Rick Snyder has has not yet resigned, frankly. Want to note, however, that Obama stopped short of declaring a federal disaster because this disaster is man-made and therefore it doesn't meet the legal definition. But will this result finally in water and filters and so forth getting to the people of Flint finally? Yes, for a limited time. After how many months? Over a year. Amazing. And now, big changes for big coal and big oil on public lands. In his final State of the Union address, President Obama pledged to change how the federal government government manages fossil fuel development on public lands. I'm going to push to change the way we manage our oil and coal resources so that they better reflect the cost they impose on taxpayers and our planet. And that way we put money back into those communities and put tens of thousands of Americans to work. And now the Obama administration has paused the federal mine leasing program, halting all new fossil fuel leases on public lands for three years to review leasing rates, currently far below market, 
fix loopholes that allow the coal industry to avoid paying much in royalties and factor in for the first time the cost to nearby communities in water and air pollution and the emissions impact of coal. So this is a big deal. It's nice to see President Obama finally taking this action, which he's entitled to take, but we should underscore that it is only an executive action. Right. It can both be challenged in court and... When the next president, whoever that may be, comes into office, he or she can simply undo it. That is correct. And now on to the debates. In the Republican debate last Thursday in South Carolina, Fox Business News moderators asked no questions on climate or energy. Why start now? But Ohio Governor John Kasich brought up fracking, saying the glut of cheap natural gas lowers the cost of electricity for manufacturers. It's so critical for us to be energy independent, and we're getting there because of fracking. Low prices make the difference. We're seeing it in my state, and we'll see it in this country. And that's why we must make sure that we continue to to uh, frack. But Governor Kasich didn't mention the cost to Ohio homeowners who are now suffering earthquake damage and water contamination because of the fracking industry. Not to mention the air contamination that many uh, homeowners are facing when they live near fracking sites. And in the fourth Democratic presidential primary debate in South Carolina, NBC News moderators decided to ask the Democrats just one question on climate change. Can't believe they asked even one question. Here's how Vermont Senator Bernie Sanders answered. We have a major party called the Republican Party that is so owned by the fossil fuel industry and their campaign contributions that they don't even have the courage, the decency to listen to the scientists. Former Maryland Governor Martin O'Malley challenged both Hillary Clinton and Bernie Sanders to join him in his ambitious proposal to get the U.S. to a 100 percent clean electricity grid by 2050. I would like to challenge and invite my colleagues here on this stage to join me in putting forward a plan to move us to a 100 percent clean electric energy grid by 2050. It can be done with solar, with wind, with new technologies, with green buildings. This can happen. Well, this can happen, but his opponents were not allowed to respond to that challenge. NBC went right away to a commercial break. Yeah, it is the most ambitious climate action plan of the three main candidates, and it is doable with current technology. But unfortunately, former Secretary of State Hillary Clinton and Senator Bernie Sanders never got the chance to join in. Bernie Sanders, by the way, might disagree with you. He thinks his plan to institute a carbon tax is the most ambitious of the three. I wish we could have heard that in the debate. That would have been interesting. For much more on all of the stories we covered today and the ones we couldn't get to, please check out our website at greennews.bradblog.com. Don't forget you can find us and follow us on the Facebooks and the Twitters at Green News Report. I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyan. And this has been your Green News Report. Yep. And we're almost out of time. I might be able to get to one more caller. But first, uh, Desi Doyen, uh, I think you have an, a correction. Yes, I to have make. a correction to make on the changes that President Obama has made to the leasing program for public lands. That is re- uh, dealing only with coal, not oil, only with coal for now. For now. For now. For Keeping now. it in the ground. Thank you for making that uh, for making that correction. Uh, and and you're fired for making the mistake. Uh, okay, let me do I have time? Yeah, let me see if I can do it really, really quick here. Uh, Dennis in uh, hey Dennis in Santa Barbara, welcome to the broadcast. You get thirty seconds. Go for it. Yes, thank you. I'm a Bernie Sanders supporter, but I believe in critical support. 
And um, I really would like to see him ask questions like, how much has Hillary received from the defense industry? He's asked her about how much she gets from Wall Street mm-hmm. and, and, and brought that up, which is great. But I think it needs to be brought up. And also the, the uh, uh, subject of the military-industrial comp- complex needs to be explicitly discussed and gone into and the subject of war profiteering. That needs to be gone into. I wish I could tell Bernie Sanders that. Well, well done, uh, Dennis. You just told uh, the whole wide world that. And by the way, you can go to opensecrets.org and look up exactly how much money she has received from the defense industry. I don't know the numbers, so I'm not going to try to characterize it. Uh, but uh, OpenSecrets.org, and there are other places that list the database of, of uh, you know, that include databases for where these politicians got their money. Uh, thanks, Dennis. Uh, good point, and I hope uh, Sanders does call her out on it and or uh, the mainstream corporate media, media call her out on it. That would be useful. Uh, okay, uh, my thanks to our now former and uh, currently fired producer, Desi Doyen, <laughs> to our booking goddess, Cynthia Cohn, Uh, And to our soundboard operator today, G, thank you all. And, of course, to all of the callers and all of the listeners out there. Greatly appreciate you spending a portion of your day or night with us. You can reach me on uh, via email. I am bradcast at bradblog.com and on the Twitters and Facebooks at TheBradBlog. Until we meet again, I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world. Good luck, world.